1: From KCBS Radio in San Francisco, I'm Matt Pittman, and this is Bay Current for Wednesday, February 9th. A local issue drawing national attention. Last week's decision by San Francisco Police Chief Bill Scott to pull out of an agreement with District Attorney Chesa Boudin's office over the handling of cases involving shootings and use of force by police officers, accusing the DA's office of withholding evidence. It's created nothing short of a mess. And once again... Brought front and center, the question of who polices the police. I went to the person who's as connected and informed as anybody in the Bay Area on issues like this one. KCBS Radio's Phil Mateer. To better understand why this is happening now, what it means for public safety, community trust and its police officers, and how this will play in the upcoming June vote to recall Boudin from his post as district attorney. Taking a complicated issue like this, can you boil this one down into what the issues are on both sides, both for Chesa Boudin, the DA, and for SFPD?
2: And for the city of San Francisco and for the residents as well. Definitely. Police department and uh, a whole lot of things, because this is a convergence of a lot of different aspects of not only what we're seeing in San Francisco, but in the Bay Area, California, and indeed nationwide. To really get a grasp of this, we have to step back and look at the ongoing concern about police use of force, both in San Francisco and across the country, and at times deadly use of force. And one of the agreements that was brought on in the wake of uh, the the, uh, shooting of Mario Woods in the— Mission District uh, a few years back. You might remember him. He was a man with a knife. Yeah. He had mental problems uh, and he was basically shot to death by officers. And it was caught on video. It went viral. It went national. It went international. It was not very pretty. It raised a lot of questions. Uh, it eventually you know, lit the fire and led to the exit of Police Chief Greg Sir and the appointment of Bill Scott as his replacement. Now, at the same time, what we had is other incidents going on around the country, and there was a question about whether police should be investigating themselves. And it was pretty much agreed that no, they shouldn't, that uh, possibly the district attorneys should take the lead in investigations of use of force. And in California now, if someone is unarmed and shot by a police officer, the case goes directly to the attorney general. But San Francisco took it a step further and said, we're also going to have the district attorney be the lead investigator in uh, questionable use of force by police officers. And that's a case that came up. This didn't involve a shooting. It involved uh, a baton incident, a beating on a baton. Uh, you know, the man was uh, Dakari Spears. He was down at Fisherman's Wharf. Uh, police got a call about him being involved in a domestic violence incident. When they got down there, they saw him uh, embracing uh, his girlfriend or his arms around him, mm-hmm. the police. And, and there was a confrontation. And a police officer, Terrence Strangle, Stangle, uh, used his baton and uh, hit him pretty much, pretty bad. Yeah. And uh, the Chesapeake Bodine, the district attorney who has run on a police reform and judicial reform platform, been very obvious about it and very said he was going to aggressively pursue cases against police he felt were using excessive force. Uh, it was the lead investigator in the case, it, or his office was. And this was the first case where this was happening. This was, uh, and what happened was, even before the trial started, a a bombshell got dropped off in court and when a district attorney investigator said that she felt that she had been pressured by the district attorney's office to withhold uh, the 911 call about the original domestic violence call in and that she was in fear of her job. And that's not something that sounds very good. And uh, the judge said the trial is going to continue, but as a result of that, the police officers in the city were up in arms saying, look, it's one thing if we're going to be investigated. It's one thing where we might even be prosecuted. But what's this about withholding evidence? I mean, you know, are we going to have a fair shot at this? And you have to understand that the police are pretty feeling pretty beat up as well in, in the last couple of years. And suddenly Bill Scott had himself a problem on his hands. And the police union was even talking about a vote of no confidence unless something was done. So he said, OK, I'm going to pull out of this memorandum of understanding with Chester Bodine that makes him that we're if, if he's not going to cooperate, if, if if this is the kind of things we're going to be seeing, then uh, we're pulling out. Uh, that's still to be seen if the police commission is going to go on with that. It appears that the mayor is supporting him. But again, the police commission is questioned about it. And it's the question about who watches the police and is it fair? And uh, Chester Bodine says it's all political. He's being this targeted for a recall because of his policies, and he's saying that this is, you know, this smacks of politics. So you have a choice: if you're on one side of the equation, you can say it smacks of politics. If you're on the other side of the equation, you can say this smacks of fairness or unfairness. And in, in either case, you've got yourself a story and a situation. Yeah, I don't know if that was brief enough, but that was pretty much it.
1: <laughs> it was it was a perfect synopsis. I'll, g- I'll give you that much, Phil. A couple of things that you hit on there. The first one I want to go to is the, the the bombshell, as you described, from the investigator uh, Megan Hayashi, who was asked, "Were you instructed to remove exculpatory information from the warrant?" That was verbatim the question uh, mm-hmm. from the attorney for the police officer. Her reply: Yes. End quote. That's pretty damning. So you always wonder about the gray area in a in a, a situation like this, right?
2: If a judge had thrown out the case saying that you over the district attorney had messed up, that would be that would be no gray area. But we have this gray area where everybody's figuring on what to do. Mm-hmm. You also have the situation on top of it where uh Chesa Bodine's office has come under fire, even from a judge, about whether or not there's there's confidence. There's been a high turnover of prosecutors uh, who don't feel comfortable with the uh, less uh, charging uh, policy of Chesa Bodine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that has led to questions of, of new people coming in, often from the public defender's office, where you have public defenders suddenly becoming prosecutors. And I will, I have to say, you know, it, the, the the challenge there is, you know, that's like going from being uh, a defensive uh, uh, player on a football team to an offensive player on a football team. You don't yeah. know the plays. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. don't know what you're necessarily doing. And what might have worked for a, a public defender uh, doesn't work in a prosecutor's office. And uh, it's, it's a completely different mindset. And that could be a problem. That's another problem that Jesse Bodine is facing. Is that aside from the philosophical, is it practically working? Uh, you know, Would a, a, a long-time prosecutor have done this? Probably not. They said, no, let's include that. It's not going to make that much of a difference.
1: And you mentioned the judge saying that this was not necessarily exculpatory evidence. And then in the pretty strongly worded public statement from uh, Commissioner Scott, so is there a conflict there if a judge says, well, n- no, this may not have been, this doesn't look great, but it also isn't necessarily exculpatory, but the police say something completely different different are, are they at an impasse that is yes beyond repair What we
2: have is we have a police department that has long been I mean, this isn't new but there's always there's
1: a long time been tension between
2: the police department and the district attorney's office because san francisco is is, is, is brought in progressively uh sort of, well terence hallinan uh was a very uh defense oriented he was a former defense attorney and he was a uh he headed the DA's office. He won the election. It's an elected office. And he, uh, you might recall, indicted the entire command staff mm-hmm. over a thing called the Gate, which was a fight that involved uh, an assistant chief's son and another guy on Union Street over a bag of food uh, after a night of partying. And there was a question about did the police department try to cover it up? Helen Ann indicted them all and a judge took one look at the indictment said this is a joke and threw it all out. Mm. Uh, then we had... Uh, Kamala Harris. She got in hot water with the police because she would not file, she even, she made a decision not to file death penalty charges uh, against uh, the uh, man who shot and killed uh, police officer uh, Espinoza uh, before he was even buried. And that got her criticized. After that came George Gascone, a former San Francisco ch- police chief who mm-hmm. became district attorney and was very critical of the police department and it had an exposure there about racial texts and questions of use of force and other uh, problems within the department. And then comes Chessa Bodine, who was elected on a very vocal, uh, it's time to, uh, you know clamp down on police uh, misconduct and at the same time coming under criticism for going uh, what people say light is on criminals not charging them or charging them and then letting the charges drop uh, letting people out without much bail so you have all of these coming together and the police uh, are not happy with uh, the district attorney and then there's this question now he's going to be investigating them and yeah. they, they they felt like this whether whatever the case was for, for out of the gate it wasn't a good way to start Mm-hmm. It wasn't. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen Chesa Bodine vocally saying it didn't happen. It's more like it might have happened, but right. it's not that big a deal. But, there, you know, it, it, he might have helped himself if he said, I'm shocked that this happened. If it happened, heads will roll and we'll get to the bottom of it real quickly. You know, that would have been a different response, right?
1: Yeah, I would imagine a pretty significant game-changing response you mentioned and that's
2: what you would expect yeah the police department to say if it had happened on their side right
1: you would certainly hope so absolutely right
2: the, so some of this is how everybody's sort of handling it or not handling it and you're going to see it come up in the police commission you're going to see it you know come up in in it's going to bubble up left and right because behind this is the uh recall of Chesapeake, mm-hmm. which is could be a first and that is politically charged. And, you know, the judicial reform movement is going to elevate that to a national story as well. So this is a, now this is the opening round of what's probably going to be a national fight and a national look at the entire uh, judicial reform and police reform. Where do you go after you say theory? We've already seen sort of movements on that. You have to recall that uh, this was even before George Floyd. This this this, this agreement was reached. Yeah. Uh, post George Floyd, we had the whole defund the police movement in Oakland, in San Francisco, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in New York. We had all these. Different and now Oakland
1: scrambling to find police officers and now to they're hire. Yeah. To refund the right, police. Right.
2: This this brings in you know all of that comes into the swirl here.
1: You mentioned the the kind of silence from the the DA's office and. Uh, One has to imagine, Phil, that facing this recall and then some of the other underlying factors, the fact that he's had something 40 percent ish, that's a ballpark figure of the attorneys have left his office and then this comes up and then the recalls coming up in June. I mean, he's you talk about picking and choosing your words and the timing in that. I mean, he has to be careful about what he's saying if he wants to keep his job. But you do have to say something, right?
2: Yeah. And you would. But also you have to understand that in these situations, you know what you do in in, in politics, because it's, it's an interesting combination. District attorneys are elected. So in one hand, you say the judicial system should be free from politics. And yet we want to elect our district attorneys and have them sort of reflect the community sentiment. And it becomes political. Mm. So one of the things that you do is you say, well, this is part of a national thing. You know, there's big Republican money behind the recall. Mm. efforts, And then the recall people say, you know, there's lots of money behind this, you know, and some of them are Republican, but we're not. Um, So in other words, you try to make it a bigger, make it bigger, make it bigger than this. Say this is just part of a bigger sort of national conspiracy or something like that. It's, It's it's the problem is, is, is that this is post Trump. Yeah, and you're seeing a lot of this in politics. It's post Trump. It's like no, it's this that that was yesterday. We we're kind of like, what's going on now? And uh, you can't. It it, it, it doesn't. It's, I'm not sure it's it's going to work. So you say, rather than say confront the the initial problem, you say, well, it's it's political. It's part of a political thing. They're trying to just get rid of me, and they're using this, you know. And some of it is like, hey, you did this just. You know, clear it up and move on. But if you don't, then that's also going to stoke more.
1: Yeah. And at this impasse between SFPD and the district attorney's office, again, we talk about timing, right? Coming off of the incident at SFO, these things are not going to go away. No. What is the now the so, SFO what it,
2: shooting in which a man was carrying two uh, guns that turned out to be they were like pellet guns, toy they guns, didn't essentially. Have the Yeah. They didn't have the orange tips on them that distinguish them through. And it appears like he was trying to trigger a suicide by police. In other words, you know, come shoot me. That's a real tragedy, but that is going to be investigated by the attorney general. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be investigated by, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the the DA's uh, office. uh, Yeah. Right. It's not going to be the lead on it. Now, it's kind of interesting because going into a lot of these reform things and questions about you know uh, who can police the police was that it was felt for a long time that the district attorney's offices and this is another paradox and the uh, police were too attuned to each other that they were too simpatico that they were both on the same team you know they were on the on the law enforcement team and that the di- district attorneys could not effectively. Uh, uh, to police, the police, that they were always letting them off, and uh, that led to calls for, like, the attorney general to investigate. To a large extent, the attorney general, unless you know ordered to, historically has avoided these things, like the plague. They yeah. Didn't want to get involved in it. Right. And so now we have a district attorney who, rather than being too cozy with the police, is being uh, criticized, or the allegations are made that no, he's going the other way, that he's after the police. It would be nice if there was some sort of middle ground in all of this. Uh, but, you know, San Francisco has a long history
1: mm.
2: and a colorful history of characters, of mixing national issues with local issues, with uh, uh, coming up with twists and turns. And this is no exception. <laughs> this is just no exception. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the whole idea was, you know, that they were everybody was going to work together and do that. Well, that lasted about Less than a minute.
1: Right. Yeah. Didn't last long. <laughs> it's just,
2: and, and it's, this is, you know, so uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming. And now that it has happened, it's still going to, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: For sure. Last question, back to the the conversation about the recalls. And and I'm glad you mentioned the post-Trump thing, because I think that that's a very significant thing in this. Look no further than the recall of Gavin Newsom and the candidate that the GOP put forth in a state like California, it was Larry Elder. And where did all that money came come from? It came from out of state. A lot of it came from right. out of state. Um, is Chesa Boudin in danger of being recalled and losing his job?
2: Yes, he is. Uh, and and, and I, made- I
1: phrased the question that way, Phil, because I never felt that that Governor Newsom was, even when the polls showed that they were neck and neck, I just think that it was one of the scenarios where folks weren't really paying attention to it. Then, when they got wind of what could potentially be replacing Gavin Newsom, they paid attention, well, checked their mail, yeah, right. filled well, in their that, ballots. There,
2: there, there you have it. As Willie Brown said uh, to me, you know, when I asked him that same question about Gavin Newsom, he just looked at me straight in the eye and said. Uh, Anytime you're on the recall, you have a chance of being recalled. Okay. Okay. You're up in it's fate. It, you know, there are all of a sudden the doors open to a lot of variables. Gavin Newsom couldn't have gotten luckier. He got a bunch of very conservative Republicans and outliers and Larry Elder, who was made for Gavin Newsom, a conservative, uh, uh, you know, a half off the wall Republican talk show host who uh, was loaded with problems. And was, you know, the leader of the pack of uh, of uh, Shetland ponies, uh, you know, in a race. <laughs> and uh, Gavin Newsom, had Gavin Newsom pulled somebody else, it could have been a different one. Yeah. It could have been a different outcome. But you don't ever want to have you just be the issue on the ballot. Um, Chesa Dean is in the unenviable position of running against himself. Mm-hmm. And that's tough because the only judge you have is yourself. You can't point. And unlike the, the Newsom recall, his opponents or people that are likely to replace him are not going to be on the ballot. It will be up to the mayor. So he will have to, you know, paint this as either a Republican or a philosophical fight or a mayoral power grab or something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, and this is also coming, you know, when crime is people feeling that crimes are on the rise and things, all of this is coming around. It's just not, it's not good for Chester. It's not good for the police department. It's not good for the city of San Francisco.
1: Phil, great conversation. I do appreciate it. And welcome uh, to Bay Current Podcast. It's your debut and the first appearance, I hope, of many. Thank you.
2: All right. Talk to you later.
1: Thanks again to my KCBS radio colleague, Phil Matier. You can hear Phil on the air every day at 7.50 a.m. and 5.50 p.m man works hard he's on the radio twice if you miss him on the air each day you can get each hit on the film to your podcast available on the odyssey app or wherever you listen and thank you for listening to today's bay current new episodes of bay current are out every day and we'd love to be part of your daily routine please subscribe to bay current on the odyssey app apple podcast overcast stitcher google podcasts you know the drill just about anywhere you listen we're also on youtube on the kcbs radio youtube page that's it for today's bay current i'm matt pittman